Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 220 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I welcomed back a previous guest from episode 93 all the way back in 2021, a wildlife biologist who brings his experience birdwatching and working in nature to review some of our favorite mohawked chatterboxes, belted kingfishers. We discussed topics including, but not limited to, the vicious mockery of birds who fish better than us, biomimicry in train engineering, the truth behind Hollywood bird calls and lion roars, and stories from the field, including spooky sounds in the forests of Borneo. Just the Zoo of Us presents Belted Kingfishers with Alex Troutman. with your favorite animal review podcast, Just the Zoo of Us. And this week, I'm so happy to be welcoming back an old friend from a couple of years ago. Folks who have been listening for a long time may recognize Alex Troutman. Say hi, Alex. Hey, Ellen. Thanks for having me back. It's so good to be back. I'm so excited to hear your voice again. And Alex, what are your pronouns real quick? My pronouns are he, his. Thank you so much. Folks who have listened for a long time may remember the last time you joined us a couple years ago, you were with us to talk about Kemp's Ridley Sea Turtles, just the sweetest little babies of the sea that you did a lot of work with, with their hatchlings out on the coast. We had a great time talking about those turtles. This time we're shifting gears a little bit. We're moving away from the ocean to talk about another love of yours, as I understand it, some birds. For our friends listening who are just now getting to know you, Alex, let's talk about you a little bit. What got you into the work that you do with animals? Yeah, so I got into the work of being a wildlife biologist and conservationist through fishing and through birds. I would fish a lot with my family, and while we were fishing, I would be distracted by red-tailed hawks soaring overhead and seeing, like, the glare of the sun, like, shine through their tails, making them kind of look like phoenixes. <laughs> it kind of looks like they're <gasps> on fire. That's so true. I had never, like, connected those, but, like, I see exactly in my mind's eye, I see exactly what you're talking about, and that is so true. Right, right, yeah. And then the other bird that was, like, fishing across from us were great blue herrings, and they were catching more fish than me, so I was like, they were kind of manic. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time I would look up, they would have a fish, and I would be still there just looking at my bobber and nothing happening. You think they're flexing on you a little bit? Oh, you think they're looking back at you like, hmm? Oh, definitely. Still nothing, huh? Yes, definitely. <laughs> like, it's like they're showing a fish. And then I'm not sure if you ever heard like a great blue herring like call. It sounds almost like a dinosaur. And so it's like when they would fly off and they would make that call and it's like, ah, you don't have anything. It's just like, <laughs> 
<laughs> Why are you getting roasted? But right, exactly. They, they was roasting me hard. You because you've got like your boat and your fishing reel and your lord. You got all sorts of technology and gear. It's like that meme from like Invincible where they're like the birds are like, look at what they need to mimic a fraction of our power. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. 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 It was crazy. And then like. One bird that we heard a lot that we did not see actually was a belted kingfisher. Like most of the times you hear them before you see them and you're lucky to even see them. That bird, like I would hear a lot while fishing. So those are the birds that kind of got me into nature and like I knew I wanted to do nature, be a wildlife biologist. But I didn't know what form that was. A lot of people who look like me or uh, who are black or person of color or indigenous, um, there's not much representation of people like who look like us working in the, the natural resource field, especially 20 years ago. So for a long time, I was going to be thought I was going to be a vet because that was one of the only representations, either be a vet or a farmer. And I didn't want to farm at the time. So I chose a vet and went to college and realized how I guess strong um, the mental capacity you have to have to be a vet. So I changed my major to actually middle grades education and minor in biology for a whole year. And during that time, I took some field biology classes, ornithology, which is the study of birds, and mammalogy, the study of mammals. And we were outside pretty much every other class, either studying birds, um, which I got to see my favorite duck, didn't know existed until I started doing ornithology. And I got to see a wood duck, and I was like, that's my bird right there. Um, <laughs> they're so gorgeous. They're unmistakable. I love them. Yeah, they're so awesome. It's definitely like they're beautiful. And then like when they fly, like with whistles, it's awesome. Feels like a North American icon. You right. know, like when you see him, you're like, I'm home, baby. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I think they should maybe our country bird instead of eagle, but I might be a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw shade at the bald eagle. It doesn't even make like a majestic call. That's a red tail hawk, not the eagle. It has a, <laughs> a whippy voice. So They're so fake. Like, <laughs> Although I will say like the bald eagle didn't choose. Right. Like, hey, can you please go like dub over my voice with a hawk? Right. Like that was an us thing. But still, they can take a little bit of ribbing at this point. Like they've got kind of a PR an indestructible fortress of like good PR. Like I think we can (laughs) drag them a little bit. They can take it. And they're like scavengers and they're always getting bullied by other birds. So like, yeah, who's, who's bullying the wood duck? Right. No, right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that it wasn't even a career trajectory that you had considered because there's not a lot of representation. It's not something like a role that you really can like imagine yourself in before you're in it. By the way, since we've spoken, you've graduated with your master's degree. So excited for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. I'm two degrees out now. That's awesome. That is so cool. And I think that a lot of people, like you mentioned, don't really know it's a career you can do. Because if you're a kid who's like into nature and into animals, it's always like, oh, you should be a vet, right? And I think a lot of people that listen to the show really are thinking of taking a career path like that and are interested in and want to hear from people who have done it like you, like what that journey was like, what 
it takes to get to basically where you are. And you mentioned that there's a lack of representation. And also, I know that a lot of your work that you've written and published is about the really like unique challenges that people of color face getting into this kind of career. Is that something that you'd be willing to share about a little bit before we get into the Kingfisher itself? Yes, yeah. So being a marginalized or excluded group trying to work in the natural resource field for me as a wildlife biologist and conservation, it's definitely has been hard. Um, there's a lot of challenges that people who are, are not BIPOC individuals or people of color that they do not face or they do not face as much. Some of those challenges are um, like harassment, People not believing the skills that you have or thinking that all the skills and knowledge you possess have only came because you went to college, you have a lot of book smarts, but you don't actually have the experience. In that setting, even though many times our families have been farmers or have been hunters and we have the same lived experiences um, as other individuals who are in this field, but because we are people of color, a lot of that it's taken away or it's not noticed or um, even acknowledged, I guess is the word I'm saying. So it definitely is a hard field to get into and to stay in, especially if you don't have support from both um, other people of color as well as allies. But there are a lot of people who are both from marginalized and excluded groups as well as allies um, that are making changes and trying to um, go against the grain. And John Lewis said, make good trouble. So making good trouble to change the atmosphere and make it more hospitable and welcoming for all individuals to be not only conservationists and wildlife biologists, but just to be able to enjoy the natural resources and the environment um, in general without those harassing moments or without people looking at them funny. Um, I'll tell a story like a lot of times, like when I go birding, people will give me looks until I pull out my camera or my um, binoculars. And it's like, I'm a whole new person. It's kind of like Superman and Clark Kent with the glasses. Nobody recognized Clark Kent is Superman, but when you take off the glasses and put on cape, everyone knows. Like, oh, Superman. It's kind of that same effect uh, when I don't have my um, binoculars or camera. I'm just walking around like the stairs or some of the, um, the comments or even like uh, I was down in South Texas um, in Port Aransas and I went birding there and I like I walked past people and went up to like a viewing platform and I was looking down and getting my camera out and it was like 10 to 15 people up on the platform with me and then it's like one by one I hit them going down and by the time I pulled my camera out everyone was down on the lower level instead of up there with me um, they all had left and so like I, I took a selfie and was like oh I have the viewing platform to myself kind of making fun of the situation but it's just kind of weird like it, that happens still to this day in 2023 almost 2024 right that's like middle school behavior it seems like to me right like oh this isn't a person from our little in group even though this is clearly like like a viewing platform that we can all be enjoying and making the most of, right? And just not being even willing to share space with somebody that they don't recognize as like one of us. Right. And that's exactly how it is. And it, it's kind of funny because a, a lot of people like, like they're like, oh, I, I would love to know more about these birds. Like, well, you literally just left uh, ornithologist. Like, come on. Now. Right. <laughs> 
I'm right here. And you and so many other people that I've seen on like social media and stuff have really done a great job at making these visible communities, like building communities around people supporting each other, going out on walks, like having each other's backs, showing up for each other. And like, because you, you mentioned this can become a safety concern very quickly. But I say this to like kind of encourage people who might be listening, who might be thinking like, oh, this is maybe a dangerous thing that I don't want to like get myself involved into. Like there's community, right? You can find people that will go out with you, people that will have your back, people that will support you and lift you up. And I think that like you and a lot of the other people that we've connected with are really getting that sort of support system out there to make it easier for the next generation. Right. Definitely. Like it is hard, but there are communities and people who will go out birding with you, will go sit in nature. Even if you don't, maybe you don't know how to bird, you don't know how to fish, like people will gladly go out there and support you. Um, And sometimes even if they may not like birding, but you know what, they enjoy walking in in nature and hiking, they will go out there with you and and hike as you bird. Um, And then that can also be a teaching moment for them. Like you can teach them the birds as um, they're hiking or you guys are transferring information between each other. They know a lot about plants and flowers or mushrooms um, and they can share those on mushrooms and plant facts with you. Everybody's benefiting. Everybody's learning. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. (laughs) I love that. That's so true. So often people want to be like the smartest person in the room, right? But like, that means you're not learning. Right, exactly. And I've been so charmed that there is no passionate interest fandom as excited to share every bit of knowledge that they've ever learned as birders. Every birder wants to tell you everything they know about every bird. <laughs> just like right, right. chomping at the bit. They're like, please ask me about this bird. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's so true. We're going to get an experience of that today. We get to talk about some birds. Let's get some knowledge out there about yes. these wonderful birds. For people who are listening, who are unfamiliar with what a kingfisher is, is. Could you introduce us to our pointy flighted friends? Yes. So kingfishers, the one here in the United States that we see all the time is the belted kingfisher. Um, it's a smallish bird. It's a fisher. It fishes and it lives around streams, wetlands, creeks. A lot of times you will actually hear the bird. And if you're lucky, you'll see it. Uh, but it has like a interesting like chatter call. And a, a cool thing about the kingfisher that's different from most other like perching and um, songbirds is that they have a the opposite display. So with most other birds, the males are the ones that are brightly colored pattern or have different plumage or feathers. But with the kingfishers, it's reversed. And the female has the different feature that distinguishes it from the male. So it has a rusty oranges or like burnt orange color belt that goes across um, its stomach and breast area. So that's different. The difference in sexes for birds and other animals is called sexual dimorphism. So that's the way that a kingfisher is, is kind of different and cool is that it has the reverse sexual dimorphism. Yeah, because in birds you hear about the males being very sort of extravagant and flashy and they're they're slaying and it's usually to like get the attention of the female, right? So is the female right. trying to like get the attention of the male then? 
That is a good question, and I can't tell you right now. <laughs> you know, because usually the male is trying to, like, impress, you know, he's trying to zhuzh it up a little bit. He's exactly, trying to impress yeah. her. Yeah, Maybe yeah. she needs to work for him. Maybe it's just for her. You know, it doesn't have to be about <laughs> male attention. Right, right. Maybe it doesn't have to be for the male gaze. <laughs> right, right. Maybe she, she just wants to look good. <laughs> good for her. I support yeah. her. I appreciate yeah, yeah. her. Hey y'all, it's me with a quick edit. Right after we finished recording, Alex did give me an answer about the coloration of the female belted kingfisher. So here it is for curious minds. He told me that it is believed to be a signal related to kingfisher migrations. Male kingfishers are fiercely territorial and often stay put year round to guard their territory. Female kingfishers, on the other hand, migrate south for winter. So when the female is returning, the bright orange belt signals to the male that she isn't just another male here to challenge him for his territory. So he sees it and allows her back into the territory instead of fighting her off. It's a really neat little adaptation. Now back to the episode. And it is striking too, because are these the ones that are like otherwise like kind of a blue color? Yes, yes, yeah. They're they're bluish. Sometimes kind of look green, but there's like bluish and grayish. But yes. Yeah, you mentioned that you'll hear them before you see them. And my husband and I were blessed with this experience in our house because oh, nice. we were inside when we lived in florida our house was right up against a retention pond which always had like ospreys and and hawks flying around and stuff tons of birds in our pond and we were sitting inside and we hear this like you said a really bizarre sound that we were like what on earth is that and we look outside and on the part of our fence that was up against the pond was a kingfisher just sitting literally in our backyard and we were like are you kidding me this is so cool <laughs> it was so it was just like you said we heard it first and we looked outside and we saw this just strikingly gorgeous bird and when you see them you know what they are because they have like the biggest beak around <laughs> nice nice yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like they have like there's nothing that has that kind of like little body giant cartoonish head right right yes <laughs> yes and then make it even like a lot of times they have like that crest that mohawk that sticks up too it's so like... good it's my favorite it's perfect i love them <laughs> If maybe this is your first time listening to this podcast, we rate animals out of 10 in different categories, the first of which is effectiveness, which are physical adaptations, things that are built into this animal's body that let them do a good job of the things they're trying to do. You mentioned this is a fisher. This is a bird that is trying to go into the water and catch fish. So Alex, what do you give the belted kingfisher out of 10 for effectiveness? I would give it a 10 out of 10. Very good. Clean it up. Yes, yes. And this is because actually the kingfisher, the bill has certain like human machines modeled out of it, um, a process called biomimicry. And it's where mm. humans um, use the design of nature um, to like model other human creations or uh, machines. And for the kingfishers, this is a train in uh, Japan that was actually remodeled to be like a kingfisher bill. So when the kingfishers dive into water, they hardly make a splash. Really? Yes. Yeah, so they hardly make a splash. So a bullet train in Japan was having problems when it was going through tunnels that it was creating like a loud noise. 
on making a boom when it was entering the tunnel. So researchers look at kingfishers and how they, like when they break the tension of the water, it's hardly a splash. So they model the train after that. And it not only like stopped the noise, but it increased the speed of the train by like 10%. Oh man, they were doing it so much better. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So it's pretty cool. So definitely a, a 10 out of 10 um, for that. Yeah. Anybody who has ever jumped into a body of water knows that something that you need to be prepared for when you jump into a body of water is impact. You're going to be slamming into that water and that water is not as soft as it looks from the outside. If you've ever hit the water in just the wrong way, you know it slams. Like it can really, like you can injure yourself if you slam into water the wrong way. I guess when I'm looking at a kingfisher, it's a little guy. And birds are known for being pretty light and, you know, maybe being a little fragile. Is there anything that they have kind of like built into them that's like letting them not just completely obliterate themselves when they like, you know, dive into the water? Um, so I think what helps them is definitely it's the beak that helps them when it parts the water. It's kind of like when you like jump in like feet first or dive, like you go in much smoother if you were to do like a cannonball or a belly flop. Oh, sure. Like the the narrow sort of right, right. hydrodynamic yeah. dive into the water. Right, right. Less surface area. That's so cool because it probably also helps them like not be so conspicuous right, when right. they're diving into the water. You yeah. don't want to be like, like I've seen ospreys do it where they're, they don't care. They're splashing all over the place. Right, right. Yeah. And then like you mentioned like how the beak is pretty like thick and long. Well, if you notice, like when you look at the beak, it's not like staying the same size um, the whole time as it gets closer to their face, like it widens out. So that also kind of like helps pushes the water out the way. Um, so it kind of helps them not get hurt um, and reduce like that, that impact of the force of the water as well. I love that they have kind of like built physics and engineering into their body right right yeah it's crazy and another cool thing about them is they don't make like nests or anything um in like trees really? they're, they're actually like living in like a lot of times like river banks um and like dirt the river banks or edges and like excavate like a hole there like so they're, they're not like seeing the trees they're actually like living in like little holes in the dirt around water areas so it's pretty cool really roughing it yeah right, right no time for a nest got fish to catch yeah yeah <laughs> Hey there, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our friends on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we're talking ingenuity and aesthetics for belted kingfishers. So stay with us. Hey, this is Andrew Reich, the host of Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots that were sold and developed at networks and streamers but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. If you've never checked out Dead Pilot Society, this month's episode might be the place to start. The cast is incredible, headlined by the one and only Zoe Deschanel, and also featuring Paget Brewster, Michaela Watkins, Hamish Linklater, Asif Ali, and Maximum Fund's very own Hal Lublin. So go to MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcatcher and check out this incredible cast on the latest episode of Dead Pilot Society. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I. Were you trying to put the name of the podcast there? Yeah, I'm trying to spell it, but it's tricky. Let me give it a try. Okay. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, call S-T-O-P-P-P-A-D-I. Ah, it'll never fit. No, it will. Let me try. 
If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-P-T-C-O-O. Ah, oh, we are so close. Stop podcasting yourself. A podcast from MaximumFun.org. If you need a laugh and you're on the go. Our next category that we rate animals on is ingenuity, behaviors, things that the animal is doing with their body that let them solve problems that they face or, you know, maybe evade predators, catch their prey, things like that. What would you give the belted kingfisher out of 10 for ingenuity? I'm going to go with another 10. They're cleaning up so far. (laughs) It sounds like a sweep to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, tens all around, but yeah, it's definitely another ten. Like, um, their ingenuity has helped humans um, as well. And then with them, um, not only um having that beat, but also being that they are birds, they're it's not as dense as us with their bones. Um, definitely a ten out of ten. In your time, spending a lot of time watching, observing birds, have you spent much time seeing kingfishers do their thing out in the wild? Um, I have. And one thing, kingfishers are, this is like a side note, are one of the hardest birds to like photograph. Really? Yes. Like, like I said, you always hear them before you see them, if you see them. (laughs) And then it's like, they know when you have the camera out and they will just either stay put or as soon as you get the camera up, they take off. So like, it took me like years to finally like get a photo of one. And then it wasn't even that good. Aww. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It was literally like a blur of it taking off. And then like, I finally, I got a couple other um, good pictures, like a few months later, but they are not like my other pictures. And it's it's just like, it's just something like they know when, like when you have that camera out, Um, I haven't Mm. seen them like diving um many times and it's definitely it's like it's something you rarely see um when you're out so when you see them out like you you immediately want to just stop and sit there and watch them and i've been lucky to see that at one of the ponds up in the lake up in maryland um there's a resident kingfisher um that lives there and like i have learned that it comes out just around dusk and it's like is there's like a, a botanical garden in, in the park like right next to the lake and um it stays there throughout the day and then it flies over around dust and starts like hunting um and I, that's when i was like okay i'm gonna be here i may not get a picture but i, I can watch it and so like, i i would do that when i live in there and just watch this bird in your time watching this bird would you say that it had a pretty decent hit rate like was its accuracy pretty good or is it kind of coming up empty <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely very accurate i would definitely say uh, over 80 percent and that's tough to do like you mentioned like humans kind of have a hard time getting these slippery little guys out of the water but birds to be like coming at it from a really really high speed from way up in the air right like that's a lot of calculations lots of math you have to be running in your head real quick yes exactly you you have to run the math of like what angle you're going to hit it and then also like with the way water works like what you see is not what you're actually looking at because a lot of times like reflection and refraction oh yeah other fish is totally different when it's up in the water so you have to like almost like guesstimate where it's gonna be and predict it. So they're they're very good at that. Yeah, that perspective can be really tricky because if a fish can like look like it's in one spot, but it's actually like six inches away because of the way that the water has made the reflection look weird. So I, there has to be a lot of ingenuity going yes. into that. Like they have to be running a lot of math in their head that is far above what I would be capable of. Right, right. Yeah, same with me. <laughs> You know what I learned 
super recently was like a type of kingfisher the kookaburra yes yes i learned that pretty recently too actually like this year i was in australia so you heard it from the source yes. you were like from the kookaburra <laughs> right right exactly yeah yeah you, you like like it flew in a tree and was like yeah, let me tell you something I'm a <laughs> yes yes so they actually are the largest kingfisher species in the world so there's 87 species i believe and they're they're the largest but yeah they're a kingfisher and i was very surprised at that and it's funny because like a lot of birds are like in the kingfisher family but all of them do not eat fish as much as other kingfisher and like the kookaburra is mm. one of them it's more like lizard and like mammal um bird kookaburras are brutal they are they are so metal i've seen videos of people feeding kookaburras and they you you give them something and they like slam it yes <laughs> yes right, right. it's yes. crazy <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like it's, it's body slamming it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and then like another fun fact about the Cuckoo Barrel is that it's also one a voice actor. So um, many times, or at least back in the olden days, when you would hear like monkeys and apes, um, like in movies, it actually wasn't them. It was actually the Cuckoo Barrel sound. They either oh like, man. <laughs> Yeah, they either <laughs> play it, like, speed it up or slow it down to, like, mimic the sound of certain monkeys. That's so interesting, because they're probably like, American audiences won't know the difference. They don't know what a kookaburra <laughs> sounds like. Right, right, yeah. They that was obviously are. pre-YouTube, because now we all know what kookaburras sound like. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so. They could get away with it back then. No more. No more. Right, the days right. of sneaking kookaburras by us are long gone. I have, like, been watching movies, and then I would notice that they would be, like, it would always be, like, in a South American jungle, and they would play a kookaburra sound. And I'd be like, that's not, I don't think that's right. Right, yeah, not at all. <laughs> You're not sneaking a bird by me. Right, right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do our kingfishers do that whole like slamming stuff against a surface or are they just they just one and done? You just Pretty much yeah, one and done, yeah. More of like a single strike assassination sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Ours are the snipers. And the kookaburras are like the brute force barbarians that right, are right, like yeah. go in and just pulverize them to death. It's okay. If you don't hit that one first strike, you're good. You're going to have a chance to just bludgeon them. To right, death. right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ours are refined. Right, right. They're elegant. Yeah, yeah. It's like the technique versus like brute force. I do always like to ask people that have had like a lot of experience being out in the field, not just like working with animals, but also like observing them. I wanted to ask if you had any stories of an animal doing something that just like really caught you off guard that you like didn't expect them to do uh, or something that was like, wow, I can't believe I just saw that. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I was in Borneo and um, like this caught me off guard because I didn't even think it was an animal. We were setting up like mist nets for bats and we heard like a helicopter flying over. Mm. And so it was like, what is going on? So it was like running up the mountain to look for it. And it wasn't a helicopter. It was four birds. Uh. It was hornbills like flying over. Oh, wow. And like their like wing beat was like so strong. It sounded like a helicopter. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> 
that is really cool like i've heard of like birds here being so big that they fly over and you're like is there a plane flying over me but like for them to be just like generating that sort of force that's really cool people underestimate how strong birds are right right they definitely do it's amazing but it was pretty cool and scary at the same time because like why is it (laughs) why is a helicopter flying over oh the relief of it just being giant birds (laughs) yes like i was like oh but also, for like, uh, another weird animal in Borneo, well, okay, I'll tell you two stories. One, like, seeing, like, giant flying squirrels, those are amazing. Like, they're just jumping out of the tree and all that, like, skin just opens up. It's like, like what? Yes, so that is like, very good. That was pretty cool to see. And then, like, this was kind of scary at the time. But, like, we were walking back from doing, like, acoustic surveys for bats. And we're walking. It's, like, midnight. And we have, like, a small headlamp that's about to go out. And we, I walk past a tree. And I hear, like, a growl from, a, like, a cat. And, like, I was like, what is that? Like, I'm in the front. It's not the sound you want to hear. Right. Exactly. Everyone else is, is behind me. And I hear this noise and I'm looking back and like we have like a ranger with us and um, he looks at me and he, he just said, uh, he's like, jungle cat. And I'm like, okay, like how big is this cat? Bad words, yeah, bad words, yeah, not good. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I want to walk in the front anymore. Um, <laughs> like, we finally got back to like a research station and then like I was, I was talking to him more and asking him about big was it. And then he was like, oh, it was like, yay big. So about the size of our bobcat. I was like, oh, mm. okay. I could, I could have took that, but it has a. It has a- <laughs> <laughs> We're good. It's fine. <laughs> but, but, but that it had a deep roar, and it was, it was like very scary. Um, I was like, what is this? It's middle of the night. We have a candle and a lot of bat research. Like, what is that gonna do against a like a giant? <laughs> Uh, a mountain lion <laughs> size animal. We're gonna detect it to death. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Like, come here, let me hear you roar. Right? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So that that was scary. But once we got back, I realized I was like, okay, okay. That was a cool experience. I'm glad to be out now. But yeah, that was scary. Activates a deep part of the human brain that's like, do not get eaten by cat. That's like right. so deeply ingrained it, in our instincts. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Like activates that fight or flight <laughs> right 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 yeah it was like in my head like it was only me and the ranger uh who probably could have like took out this everybody else would like ran and i was like oh no we're, we're gonna die <laughs> but, not like, like this <laughs> yes, yes. Was like, yeah. listen if i get taken out by a jungle cat in borneo <laughs> That's the way I go, you know. Like that's right, exactly. <laughs> that would be a cool death. Right, I'll right. Take it. I definitely, like died doing what you love. But at that time, I was like, in my house thinking, I haven't had chicken in three weeks. Living as like vegetarian vegans, like at the research station, and mm. that's just going in my head. Like counting down the days until we get back to the city where I can get some meat. all the best meals you've ever had flashing through your mind like it's been a good run (laughs) right right exactly yeah but another fun fact about like cat noises is the mgm lion like that little roar from the lion guess what don't do this to me (laughs) it's not a lion (laughs) no i can't i can't do this anymore It's actually a tiger. I believe it's like tiger's roars are like deeper or sound mm. more like ferocious than lions. 
They're cooler. Yeah, I mean they are to me too. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the MGM, um, it was it's actually like a Tiger Roar instead of a lion. Misinformation goes all the way back. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> no good. It's no good. They they must be stopped. We need to send in a letter, a change.org petition. Right, get right. Them to make the right cat sound. I don't even think they do that lion, like the MGM lion roar. I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> I, I don't think so either. Yeah, that was... I haven't seen it in a movie in like 30 years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it faded out like in the early 90s or something. I'm still mad about it. I'll never be over it. Right, right. So the last category we rate animals on is aesthetics. It's just how nice this animal is to look at. Is it pretty? Is it cute? Is it cool? However you want to take it. What do you give Belted Kingfishers out of 10 for aesthetics? Well, I, I got to clear the board. <laughs> it, it's going to get a 10 for me. Like That's a perfect score. Right, it definitely deserves it. It's my favorite color. Blue is my favorite color. And then like my high school colors were blue and orange. So it has that orange um, I really was like a, a good orange. It's like a tricolor sort right. of moment. They yes. got the blue, the white, the orange. Like right, it's right. very Yeah. It's very it, fashion forward. It, it is. And like it's not just the Belcher Kingfisher, but like pretty much the whole like Kingfisher family, like especially like in Malaysia and Borneo. Like if you ever get a chance, like look up some of those Kingfishers and they are like amazingly beautiful. Like I got to see like so many of those and like they're like the eye color was just popping and everything. I was just like, it was amazing just like seeing them and then even like since some of the ones in costa rica like one of the smallest kingfishers on the world is in costa rica and it's um like the green kingfisher and it's just like a brilliant like green and i got to see one of those pretty much by accident like i wasn't really looking for them um but it was just walking like across the bridge and i saw a kingfisher and i was like wow that's a small kingfisher <laughs> and i look at it's just a little gift for you <laughs> right, right. Treat. yeah I looked at it and I was like, oh, and it was like, it was funny because like I was looking at some turtles that was in the pond and like I was trying to see a caiman, um, but they were like hiding. And then like I was looking at turtles and I just saw like a little like bump, I guess it looked looked like it was a knot in a tree limb. And I look around, Mm. it's like, got my binoculars and like, I was like, oh, (laughs) it's the kingfisher. Oh man, that's cool that they're like camouflaged like that yeah. too. They're probably good at not being seen. Yeah, it was, it was hiding really well. And then like I tried to take a picture of it to like actually like I did, and then like I, I took a picture and like I had to like like zoom in with my camera. Like I was like, yep, it's a kingfisher. And then like I was trying to like little green kingfisher, like trying to Google it, and then it's like, oh, green kingfisher. I was like, oh, that's nice. I I always feel like Google's <laughs> mocking me when they do that. Right, right. <laughs> Type in like black bird with red wings oh it's a red winged black bird great thank you very helpful right, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> it always feels like i naturalist is like uh yeah <laughs> black bird with red wings yeah i wonder what that could be so alex this is a beautiful animal these are brilliant these are well-engineered birds before we wrap up for today i would love it if you could let our friends listening know where they can follow along with you and your work i also want to talk about your new book your guide to the animals of georgia which i have and it is a lovely book could you let our friends listening know where they can find more of your work yes um, you can find my work at nature so it's in the number eight T-U-R-E underscore A-L on Instagram and Twitter. And then I have a website, alextroutman.wix.com or Google Alex Troutman, and it will pop up. 
And then you can also find me in a new series of books um, that I uh, have released and I'm working on getting through all 50 states. Um, that the book is called Critters. And right now we have Critters of Minnesota, Critters of Michigan, Critters of Florida, and Critters of Georgia. This book is lovely. It's kind of like pocket sized, right? So it's very easy for like taking with you. You can take it with you when you go out to go see these animals. Like it's a great little field guide. Um, and it's lovely. It has little bits of information about all the different animals, gorgeous pictures. Uh, it's it's really nice and a great gift idea for anybody who is, you know, an, a nature lover in one of those states. So um, I'll have links to everything in the episode description so that anybody listening can click through to go follow you on social media or check out your book. It has been an absolute delight. I can't thank you enough for spending this time with us. I had so much fun. I learned a lot about birds and we will talk to you later. Alex, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me as always. Uh, it was fun catching up. Always. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that the belted kingfisher has gracefully dived right into the still waters of your heart. If you liked what you heard, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice, like Rain C on Apple Podcasts, who said, I absolutely love this podcast. I listen to it just about every day and also use it to fall asleep because I love animals. Thank you, Rain. I love that. It always makes me happy when people say they fall asleep to our podcast because it tells me that people People are able to find peace and calm with us, and I appreciate that. If you want to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and TikTok. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear about. We'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other amazing shows like the ones that you heard promos for during this episode. You can go check those out and learn more about the network and how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.